You are listening to Legion of Substitute Podcasters, episode 695, Legionnaires number 14, Grim Reality. Welcome to episode 695 of Legion of Substitute Podcasters. I am Paul French, and I am almost 700, lad. Feeling very old. Feeling very old. That's uh, that's really all all I can say about that. You know, it's uh, it 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 feels like we've been doing this for a very long time because we have. <laughs> Well, you're only as old as you feel, and if you're feeling old, I guess you're old. <laughs> well, dang it. Dang it, that didn't work out well at all. No. <laughs> yeah, no, no, Paul, you couldn't be old. I mean, you know, it's Darren's birthday now. You know. Oh. Yeah, so uh, so uh, speaking of which, uh, Darren is uh, not with us tonight because uh, he is uh, um, off. Um, what was the party planet? He he's off on a mission on uh, planet Disney. No, oh, well that's fair enough. Yes, <laughs> yes. I mean we we know that's uh, that's how it would be now, right? There's already a planet Gotham. Uh, there's got to be a planet Disney, um, and so uh, so that's where Darren is. So uh, he won't be joining us, uh, but that's okay. So he'll be back soon. And uh, so uh, over to you, Travis. Hey everybody, this is Travis Illsor and. I didn't get to be it last week, but for the second week in a row, I am the Tigers lad. Uh, there's a new Venezuelan restaurant near me called the Tigers, and I've two weeks in a row visited them. Um, the first time I got a dish that I know I'm going to mispronounce, Pabellon Criollo, mm. I think. Sure, why not? It sounds good. I don't know. Uh, it had black beans uh, that had been fried, uh, rice, a shredded beef, which had been stewed oh. uh, with some type of seasoning and looks like tiny vegetables, fried plantains, uh, which were delicious. I had never had. And this week, uh, a friend of mine went there and he said, Hey, I got a burger there. He said, you really need to try their burgers. I was like, okay, Venezuelan burger, you know? And, um, <laughs> the burgers were good as well. They had all kinds of options, but they also had one, you know, how some restaurants have these challenge meals, you know, something that's just way too big for a person. Yeah. Well, they, they have one, uh, it's a burger that is seven pounds. Oh my God. And it's not just a just giant seven-pound burger patty. It is instead four beef burger patties, four boneless chicken breasts, four smoked pork chops, four tequenos, which are these uh, kind of fried cheese bread rolls. <laughs> then you have cabbage or lettuce, potato sticks, three different types of cheese, smoked ham, bacon, ketchup, and green sauce. And so how long did it take you to finish? 
It's a lot of damn food. Yeah. I, I, I just looked at the menu and I'm very, the, you are very close to a hospital if you try to eat it. So that's good. Um, <laughs> like the heart attack burger. Right. Yeah. So I, I sent a picture of the menu describing it to a few friends. And so far, no one has taken up the challenge because I'd gladly watch. <laughs> the whole thing in one sitting then what do you get i don't even remember i it's just attack it's a picture on the wall <laughs> yeah not worth it <laughs> picture on a wall and a little bottle of lipitor <laughs> <laughs> or like an iv i think you'd need yeah, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> so anyway that was me this week over to you michael Hi, everybody. I am Michael Grabwa, and this week I am wincing in sympathetic pain at watching the Olympians and knowing my body couldn't even do that when I was at my prime lad. <laughs> um, I, I stopped skiing in about 20 years ago because I had uh, problems with my feet. And even back then, um, I couldn't do anything close to what their... Uh, the Olympians these days are doing um, voluntarily and willingly. I mean, you can push me down a hill and and I'll, you know, stay on my feet for a little bit before sliding down. Um, but uh, uh, the, the moguls, the snowboarding, the figure skating, ski jumping. Um, no, I can't do that. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. I, could, I could probably do curling which is basically shuffleboard on ice. And um, I'm, I can probably do luge, which is laying down on a sled and just hoping that you make it to the bottom in one piece, <laughs> uh, but not at an Olympic level. Um, and uh, so, yeah, um, I can't do that. I couldn't do that back when I was their age, much less now. So, it is always impressive. It's why they are. It's why they are Olympians for sure. It's why, it's why they are there, and I am here talking to you guys tonight. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're not doing any Legion podcasts. That's right. <laughs> if they can't do it, someone's got to. That's right. That's right. I understand that there is once again a Jamaican bobsled team. So, um, yes. cool, cool Runnings to Electric Boogaloo. Anyone? So that is it for me. Uh, over to you, Jim. Hey, everyone. I'm Jim Purcell. And uh, I guess tonight I am Supercut Lad. Um, so as a side note, um, my other podcast, uh, the Savage Fincast, the Internet's only Savage Dragon uh, dedicated podcast, as far as I know, is celebrating our 10th anniversary. And oh, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> they. They said we wouldn't make it past one, but here we are. Um, so for fun, what, I, what I'm doing is I'm going back through every single episode, of which there are many, although not as many as this show. We only do ours about twice a month, so mm -hmm. uh, we got a long ways to catch up. Um, what I'm doing is every episode of the Savage Fincast, I like try to throw in like a little uh, a random non sequitur as like our intro. Yeah. So I'm going through every episode and cutting them out and super cutting them together. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm doing the thing Paul hates, and that is editing, which oh, is uh, yes. fun but tedious. Almost done, though. I'm almost through the 2020s. Nice. How many uh, episodes have you guys done so far? 
Uh, our current episode number is 112. Holy crap. But that's uh, misleading because I've also done, I think we're on like 15 retro episodes, which we don't include as this. We have a different episode counter oh, for. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've been rereading Savage Dragon from the beginning as well as reviewing the current oh, issues. Fantastic. To, to create more content. Uh, and the retros are on episode 21, so 130 right. odd episodes, yeah, give or take. Well, congratulations! Yeah, that's Thank amazing. You. Yeah, a lot of fun things we got planned this year. Like I, I, I already talked about this a, f- a few months ago. We got a fanzine uh, being published by Image Comics right. sometime this summer. That's the, exciting. We officially announced it on the latest episode of the Savage Fincast, so the secret is out. Yay! Uh, wow! Wow! We got the exclusive. Yeah, I, I did it in advance because I got super excited about it, and I knew no For one, sure. no one on earth would hear it here. So I got to gush about it. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> Not a lot of crossover appeal, you see. Ah, oh, well, that's fair. I that's never fair. know. Uh, at any rate, uh, I know the week that issue of previews is out, I will absolutely be Image Comics lad. You can count on that. Nice. And we will make sure everyone knows the code, uh, the order code here as well. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I'm, I'm yeah. sure I won't shut up about it. And as soon as I get this <laughs> super cut put together, I'm gonna I'll link it with the uh, with the with the episode. Uh, Please do. Yeah. On the on the Facebook just for fun, so you all can listen to me say stupid things a hundred times. As opposed to leave it alone. Leave it. Leave it. <laughs> <laughs> He's fishing. <laughs> and that's it for me. Nice. And I believe um, a visitor g- from the future. Yes. G'day, everybody. I'm Derek Bins. And this week, like Michael, but not quite as long as Michael's name, I'm Olympic kid. I am a big Olympics junkie. I oh, nice. have watched every Olympic game since... 1980 when they were in Moscow, except for one year when my brother dragged me off to Bali for 10 days in 1988, and I missed half of the Seoul Summer Games. Mm-hmm. I didn't particularly enjoy oh, Bali God. either. Bali. Oh, uh, no. All my brother wanted to do was lie around by the pool. So, yeah, it wasn't a great yeah. holiday. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so because of the Olympic Games are on, I – have spent some of my banked holidays and taken two weeks off so I can watch the sports I want to watch and not have to rely on the local transmission, which is extremely Australian centric. Uh, So last Mm -hmm. night I found a stream that had uninterrupted ski jumping. So I watched all of that right up to when the, um, oh, I know I've forgotten who won the gold medal. Anyway, some some deserving guy won the gold medal for leaping <laughs> off skis. It was great. You know, it's it's like they said for the uh, the Superman movie in 1978. You will believe a man can fly, and yeah. um, God, it's incredible what they uh, what they're able to do. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, like Michael said, um, because the Olympians are over there doing their stuff, that means I can be here doing this stuff. There we well, have it. What would you say your favorite like event to watch is? 
Oh, um, I've really become a fan of things like the moguls and the snowboarding and the mm-hmm. the aerial ski jumping type of oh. things. The ones that have got some artistic elements in them as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was nice. watching um, the men's moguls the other night and... As it turned out, when I was checking the news this morning, I should have watched the women's moguls last night, so I could have watched the Australian lass win the gold medal. But oh yeah, I, yeah. I, I watched the ski jumping instead. But yeah, no <laughs> ads. We are obviously uh, time displaced, and so we they showed the um, uh, the Aussie women are uh, um, that moguls event uh, tonight for us. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, time zone wise, you can see it live a lot easier than we can. Yes, so we are, or where I am, is three hours ahead of Beijing time. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so stuff that's on at nine o'clock at the night, their time is about midnight-ish our time. So, yeah, it means I can stay up late. I can then do some stuff in the mornings and um, watch some sports in the afternoons and, yeah, just relax. Now, me, I don't follow the Olympics as as, as obviously as you do. But today I got to watch some curling, and I thought that was pretty great. Hurry I love I love curling. Curling is cool. Yeah, yeah. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Absolutely. Sweep. <laughs> My um, I, I I've I've only tried it once. Um, uh, Ella's class went to the curling club that's actually just around the corner from us here, and um. Uh, for for school, and uh, so the, her teacher asked me if I could uh, uh, come along as a class chaperone, and uh, and so I got to try it with them, and um, wow, that was like hell, <laughs> you know this, they, you know I I thought it was just sweeping behind a thing, and it's like there is so much to it, and uh, just getting it out there properly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's not as easy as it looks, but it, it's not. It's it really isn't. Yeah. It's, like, it's not know. like I don't mind like, like stretches that way. <laughs> it's not like that bar game where you got to slide the puck to the end of the table. That's what yeah, I'm th- exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it is not shuffleboard. <laughs> oh man, that's that's funny. All right, well, folks, have we got any Legion news? Not for me. Uh, the book got delayed. That's new. That's right. That's right. So I can't, we, remember, the, I can't remember the actual specifics, though. I just know it's not coming which, out on time. Which book? Uh, Legion of Superheroes versus Justice League number two got pushed back. Oh, yeah. It got pushed like it, a week or something. Yeah. Um, so now I, that JLA, Justice League annual will come out before instead of the same day. Oh, well, there we go. Uh, see? The the world the universe intervened to make it all work out. <laughs> so um, it's actually looking. Speaking of that annual, I know uh, I recall Bendis saying that um, uh, don't get too excited, Legion fans. It doesn't have any Legionnaire like significance, really. Right. Um, however, some of the preview stuff seems to be implying that maybe like stuff from the uh, Millennium. Millennium. Uh, Millennium. Yeah, Millennium. <laughs> Too harder. Sorry, sorry. Well, wait, wait. Of course, it's Travis that says Millennium. Yes, that that would be the John Millennium. Yes, the John Millennium. Exactly. <laughs> I'll never let that down. It's so true. 
I'm thinking the annual might tie into like some of the time zones we saw in the in the Millennium two-parter. I think that's might might be where things are going in regards to that because I think because I think Omax in it. So that's just my prediction. But I'm, but I'm glad you brought that up because I um just for just in the interest of completeness, I, I do want to pick that up and I'll uh, definitely read it. Yeah, yeah, because that um yeah, I think uh, I think that's a thing. Um. Well, and the other uh, news is, you know, because we often like to uh, uh, relate news um, from the Bendis Substack. And uh, let me just, uh, uh, you know, take a look over there. And um, apparently last week there was a story that he was on a podcast uh, talking about it. And most importantly, he, uh, he quoted our tweet and... Uh, put Travis's cool graphic in there. Yay! So, hmm. anyway, I, um, I, uh, I, so he said, uh, he said Legion, but with the release of Justice League, uh, Legion of Superheroes number one, and the news that I am currently working on the pilot to the Legion of Superheroes TV show for HBO Max, I podcasted a couple of hours of joyful conversation about DC Comics and Legion with the excellent Legion of Substitute Podcasters podcast. This was years in the making and long overdue. Ah, love it. The excellent podcasters as opposed to our regular team. <laughs> yes. <laughs> ah, oh, man. Uh, this is all going bad. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, thanks very much to Brian for, uh, for mentioning that for us. And, uh, and uh, it, has, it has brought some people who might not have been here before. Which oh, is good. And uh, hopefully, if you're one of them, you will stick around. Um, and hey, there's another 693 episodes now that you uh, have yet to listen to uh, that you can, um, as well as like almost 80 episodes of uh, of the Legion Podcast. So um, anyway. Um, so there we go. Legion news. We got to be a bit of Legion news. Yay. Uh, All right. So what are we getting into today? A little oh. bit. of. Yep. You go. No, I said we're getting into a little bit of trouble today. Trouble. As always, trouble? as we do every Sunday. <laughs> Sunday. It's the trouble alert. <laughs> The wibbly wobbly timey wimey folks. Um, I, I will. I'm I'm gonna pop out for a little while and uh, leave everything in in your capable hands. But I will listen for the end of the uh, of the issue and I will join in because I've got uh, we've got a little bit of backed up feedback because of course we recorded three days early last week. So um, so people who sometimes wait until Sunday to send in their stuff um, they have to wait had to wait till this week. So so there we go. So I turn it over to you, Derek, and uh, and you guys can uh, carry on with that. And I Thank will be you back. very much. Okie dokie. We have Legionnaires issue number 14. Uh, Travis, who is the cover credits for this issue? Adam Hughes uh, penciled and inked it. And I believe it's Mr. Tom McCraw on colors, as usual. So we have a scene 
of legionnaires dashing across what looks like a moonscape. We have Andromeda front and centre carrying the legion flag and surrounding her are Ultra Boy, Saturn Girl, Brainiac 5, Triad, Livewire, Cosmic Boy, Shrinking Violet who is leaping over a, um, a cliff and the artist's initials are right beside her going, ah, <laughs> and the shoulder of Computo. Now, I have a question before we move on. Uh, the shadow on the moon, is that meant to be Ultra Boy's shadow? No, the arms look wrong. Oh, yeah, they are wrong. Hmm. I just find that's an odd choice there with that shadow. Like, who is that? It No, the leg's wrong for Saturn Girl. Someone huh. we can't see. Peter Pan, shadow, what's it got loose? Or maybe he drew another, an actual other character there, but they took him away for the logo, made it a shadow. Or, or else it's just the shadow of a mountain. What? Up on, up at the top near the logo, there's a person oh, oh, shadow. That... <laughs> Sorry, I was looking at the shadow on the ground. Oh, that oh, one. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Anyway, that's just a little mystery. So this issue is called Grim Reality, and it is written by Tom and Mary Beerbaum. Uh, The penciler is Chris Gardner. Dennis Kramer is the inker. Pat Brousseau is the letterer. Tom McCraw is the colorist. Mike McAvenny is the assistant editor. And Casey Carlson is the editor. So in the previous episode, uh, issue, we have three ongoing plots. One of them is um, Tenzel, who has been gender-swapped into Tenzet, infiltrating Sklarian pirates with Kono. And on the roll call, at Tenzel, a uh, Matarita lad, question mark, this time. Um, because we, is she really Matarita less? We also have a bunch of legionnaires in Acapulco, uh, dealing with something mysterious that's happened there, as well as some um, uh, relationship issues between Imra, Koz, and Garth. And our main group of Legionnaires are in the Paris Dome. And last issue, they realised that the person who they were coming up against was Grimbor. And so we have Grimbor, and he's bound the Legionnaires in chains, and he says, treacherous Legionnaires, you invade the Paris Dome, attack the palace of its rightfully elected ruler, and the legionnaires are all grunting in pain. And Inferno goes, no, Grimbor, the Archduke's election was a scam. Enough, says Grimbor, and he bleeps the little remote control unit he has for his train chains. I will hear no more of your fables. And the pain intensifies and Inferno screams out. And Grimbor continue on, continues on. Quite the sensation, eh, Inferno? The chains operate on the same frequency as each of your powers, allowing me to reach into your nervous systems and rip them apart. Your powers are, in effect, killing you. And hiding in the bushes is the female dominator. She says, thinks to herself, No, he slays the humans who aided me. Got to stop him. Guards, go away. And with a green bubble, she teleports the guards away. Grimbor doesn't notice this, and he keeps monologuing. Alas, legionnaires, your deaths are a necessity. 
Paris must send a clear message to all would-be alien conspirators. By the way, let me but, let me just interrupt here. Um, this little Dominator alien girl is never given a name, and uh, Tom Bierbaum said that they were uh, they called her Dommy as a diminutive for Dominator. So Dommy leaps on Grimball's back and then she goes, stop killing them, turn off chains. And Grimball drops his remote control device, uh, but he elbows Dommy in the face. He goes, a dickhead, you and your filthy race destroyed Earth, slaughtered its population. And he's whipping her with a chain. And the Legionnaires are watching on and they're struggling and trying to get th- free. Triad thinks to herself, stop it, God, stop it. And off-panel Domi goes, I hate what my people do to Earth. And Grimbor continues to beat her. Pack of rot-sucking liars. Cam thinks to himself, got to do something. Domi goes, please, oppose, war. They disown me. Leave me behind. Hang on. <coughs> Ooh, excuse me. I've got, got a bit of dominator throat there. Yeah. <coughs> Grimbor <coughs> goes, liar. And Cam is reaching towards the controls with his feet. Grimbor's controls. If I can just, come on, please. But we leave this tense action and we cross to the Acapulco Dome. And outside the hospital, we have Imra talking to Koz, who's in a hover wheelchair. And Imra says, sorry, I can't take you back to HQ, Koz. We've still got trouble over at the food riots and they need me to help out. No problem, Satin Girl, says Koz. Metro Trans will get me home. And she says, listen up, listen, you rest up, take it easy. I will, he says. And hey, thanks for everything. Don't thank me. Just get better. And she flies off. I will, he says. And he thinks to himself, and you be careful out there, Imra. And as she's flying along, Garth joins her. Mind if I join you? He asks. Suit yourself. Garth says, I was hoping we could talk, Imra. We have nothing to talk about, Garth. Ah, uh, come on. We have everything to talk about. You know, I really, really sorry about hurting Cos. Forget Cos, she says. What about the people in the crowd? You could have killed if he hadn't jumped in front of you. Oh, hey, I wouldn't have hurt them bad. Cos was just too close. You don't know that. Cos might have saved you from murdering somebody. And Garth takes a moment to think about that. <clears throat> and he says, Imra. I'm sorry. I want to do something to make it up for you. I really do. And she's not happy. Then go back to HQ and turn yourself in for disciplinary action. You deserve it. And she flies off. Meanwhile, out in space on the Scalarian pirate vessel, Lady of the Stars, we have Tenzel, who has been examined by some med techs on the Scalarian ship. Tenzel goes, ow. Hey, geez, watch it. And the Scalarian doctor goes, this prisoner is not a Scalarian. Tenzel says, of course I, ow. Her, her skin has been dyed. And Tenzel goes, hey, no, 
I'm I'm a mutant Sclarian, and I have uh, hyperpigmentation powers. Doctor says, what she has is grand and gender reversal disease. This is a man. And Tenzel says, with a body like this, you're calling me a man? You're gonzo. And the Sclarian officer goes, a man? Let's execute him. And the doctor says, one of the others says, no, he'll be worth a bundle on the flesh markets. Oh, no, come on, let's kill him. No, the flesh markets. And Kono's there watching them argue, and she thinks to herself, guess Tenzi's squirmed long enough. Time to give their blasters a little extra mass. And the Slarian weapons fall to the floor, and they go, huh, what's going on? And Tenzel takes the opportunity to snarf at his restraints and get free. Thanks, Kono. It's about time. And off she dashes. And the Sklarians are in hot pursuit. The prisoner, he, he ate the restraints. Stop him. <laughs> and while this is happening, Kono is sending off a message. Now, while everybody's gone, got themselves a hobby. Priority one, code 0306. Hi, guys. Tenzel's providing a little distraction here, and so now's the time. Our location is, and on board some SP cruisers, we have some SP troops, uh, Computo, Dragon Mage, and Shrinking Violet. Dragon Mage goes, got it. We've got a fix on them. Computo says, great. Okay, guys, let's roll. But instead, we cut back to the Parastome on New Earth where Grimbor is continuing to beat into Domi. Scheming, treacherous discheads, you destroyed Earth, killed billions, filthy, blood-sucking, parasite. And, hang on, have a drink. I wasn't, aw I wasn't aware Grimbor would be so, uh, take it so personal. As he... Re uh, takes uh, try that again. As he reaches back with his hand to uh, beat her again, suddenly his wrist is gripped by a legionnaire wearing a ring, and she says, "That's enough, Grimbor." And Triad throws him away, and he goes, "He goes, Triad, impossible, oof." And one Triad says, "You only chained up one of us, doofus. You forgot about the other two. And the other Triad says, "I've got his control device." But one of his Grimbor's guards grabs uh, Purple Triad, and but she says, "Then use it to deactivate the chains." And the guard says, "That's one down. Grabs the other one." Because remember, we're in Paris. <laughs> and another guard comes up to grab Orange Tri, uh, the other Triad, and he goes, "Drop it! Drop it! Or you're dead." And one of Grimbor's minions, who is given electro changed who comes up as well, and she says, stand back, I'll motivate her. And Triad is um, rushing around, trying to get the controls to work. Please, please, let one of these settings work. And with a bleep, she disengages the chains. And the other legionnaires are free. Ah, the chains are loosening. Thank the spirits. And Inferno grabs his chains and says, they're nothing but baggage now which means, you pack of butchers, it's payback time. And he heats up the chain in his hand and throws it at one of the guards. Get away from her, you cowards, he shouts as he does so. 
And there's a tomb. Tomb for a drink? Sure, why not? Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> half a drink, because it's only half a tomb. Um, Triad says, thanks, Dirk. Uh, the guard says, he's nuts. Run, run. And they run right into Kid Quantum's status, status field. You can score these two out of it, he says. And meanwhile, Triad, using some of her trijitsu, kicks one of them in the guards in the face. Same just, for this buckethead. Just real quick, I'm not sure it's ever been like, like clearly defined what stasis fields actually are. Are they like frozen in time? Is that like how what, what the deal is? Sure, why not? That sounds good. Let's go with that. Yeah, I'm not like both kid quantums. I don't know how well their powers were ever really defined because they always seem to be kind of uh, not re- yeah not defined at all. Because sometimes they would like stop reactions, or sometimes they would stop people like here, and but mostly they would just throw them around and say throwing out some stasis fields. I should do. I should look into that some more. I guess a better question is what do you what should they do or what do you think? Should it just be like? You know, stop time temporarily, like stop reactions, like put I, things into into stasis, of course. I, I think that's what they were going for. I don't know if they ever uh, made it explicit like that. Um, but I do notice that for some reason, by the way, in this panel, we can only see Kid Quantum's forehead. So take a drink mm, for that. Fair point. Yeah. Okay, so in the bottom panel of the page, we have Cam trying to take down Grimbor. He's stretching his arms to grab Grimbor by the cloak, and a couple of Grimbor's guards are grappling with Cam. One of the guards says, Stop him! Uh, stop this shapeshifter! Cam says, Give it up, Grimbor! You're oof! Finished! Grimbor says, Not yet, freak! Not as long as I have access to my security system. And he's bleeping and blooping at the security system. Override, override. Where's the damn override? And Domi has suddenly resurfaced and she goes, you, you must be punished. And she grabs him in one of her green teleportation fields. Grimble goes, no, wait, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he's been transported right into Leviathan's hand and Leviathan has in his big boy shorts and <laughs> Leviathan says, well, if it isn't the chief chainhead himself, but a voice off panel says, what is the meaning of this? And it is Saint-Maxien, the Archduke of the Parastone. And he says, release my security minister. Now you are interfering with the lawful operations of a duly elected government. To which Cam says, I think not, St. Maxien. Your election was illegal. You've shut off your borders, cut off communications, all in violation of the new Earth Charter. Charter? The people of Paris never voted on any charter. I haven't even seen its contents. Inferno doesn't like this and he goes, oh, come on. Cam keeps going. You know what's in the charter, St. Maxien? You know the linked cities can't survive unless every city honours it. That is not the point, alien. 
I've broken no law knowingly, and I am the elected ruler of Paris. My people won't allow you to remove me. But back on the Sclarian ship aboard the Lady of the Stars, we have a comm message. The prisoner is still at large. He's eating his way into engineering. And on the bridge, uh, the comms officer says, Commander, I'm picking up a coded transmission coming from our medical wing. The medical wing, says the commander, get security down there. Uh, hold on, something's approaching us, dead ahead. Bloody nicks, what's that, an illusion? No, ma'am, whatever it is, it's real enough. And it's a big green space dragon. And it eats the ship. Hard about, evasive, but evasive. Not too late, it's got us, we're stuck. It's... It's some kind of mystical field. And Commander, three science police cruisers have just entered the area. And on the ship, uh, Computo says, Nice job, Dragon Mage. How long can you hold them there? And Dragon Mage is sitting there, sweating as he concentrates. For the time being, Computo, but you'd better hurry. Okay, guys, you heard the man. Let's make some busts. Right. So the SP officers, and they've docked with the ship. Computer says, ready, Violet? And Violet says, as I'll ever be. And the doors open, and Computer says, okay, here we go. Let's be ready for some rough stuff. And there's some Sclarians on the other side with big weapons. You don't know the half of it, sister, says one. All right, girls, perforate them, says the other. And Kono says, I don't think so. And once again, she makes their weapons heavy and they clunk to the floor. Our guns, how? Kono says, oh, it's just a little something I was born with. The ability to shift mass around, make things as heavy or light as I want. Get the trader. So, you know, she says here her powers are to make things as heavy or light. And yet before she was phasing through things, which isn't quite the same... Well, I think she makes things more or less dense, which is how she phases through things. She makes things less dense. Yeah, it was, but, it was originally presented as like she can take mass from one thing and give it to another. Yeah. Which, you know, and real physics works about as well as any other superpower. But I, I guess you can say she makes things more or less dense. But, I mean, ultimately, she's basically got does isn't gossamer already on this oh wait she's not part of the actual legionnaires never mind but basically she seems to have starboy and gossamer's power well but you know she's spark right now oh that's right she she's, no, not she's a, gossamer yeah that's right spark is the adult one and she's oh, also right. a little bit apparition as well because she goes through walls right yes but I think the the application here of her making the weapons heavier is actually new. I don't think she's done that before. Yeah. She, she she basically seems to be able to like originally was able to like manipulate like the the density of matter to move herself through it and like hang in the air and stuff like that. I don't think she actually did like weight like weight changing powers. Or at least not, or at least not at range. I think I thought for some reason I thought she had to touch stuff. Here she did, clearly doesn't. Yeah, this is the first time we've seen her do stuff like this. Well, don't worry about it. She's not going to be around <laughs> for long. Oh yeah, we'll just blame it on zero hour. <laughs> yeah. 
right. So, yes, so the Scar and Guard says, get the traitor, but Kono smacks her in the mouth, and Kono says, guess I am a Sklarian mutant. More Sklarian pirates run up. Reinforcements, hurry, we've been boarded. Uh, the SPs go, take them out. Weapons on stun. Zof, zof, zof. Computer's on the, the Sklarian pirate ship bridge at the computer terminal. Okay, guys, this should wrap it up. I've got complete control of the ship's computers. Uh, an SP guard brings in the Sklarian commander. Here's their commander. She was headed for an escape pod. Too late, commander, says Computo. I now control your entire ship and all your weapons. So what, says the commander. You've got nothing on us. You'll never find any grain. But inside the ship's circuitry is Shrinking Violet. And she thinks to herself, this is weird. Some kind of Imskian technology. The molecules are densely packed. Hey, I get it. This is the grain. And she reports back to Computo. And they hid it all on this little ship by compressing it to microscopic size. It's stored right here in the ship's circuitry. Good work, Violet, says Computo. Well, Commander. Hey, we were just doing a job. Why don't you pick on the guy who hired us? We'd be happy to. Just give us a name. Back in Paris, Computo is talking to Cam on the comms, and St. Maxien, the Archduke, is continuing to monologue. If Earthgov has a problem with me, let them lodge a complaint through the proper channels. As for you legionnaires, you have five minutes to leave my city. Cam says, thanks, Computo. This will be a pleasure. And he keeps, Cam, Cam says, sorry, St. Maxim, but it looks like you've got a problem. The Sklarian piracy ring has been cracked, and the pirates have talked. Talked, says St. Maxim, about what? What do they have to do with me? They've told us how they're, be how they're sending their grain to Paris, says Cam, to keep your supporters fed while the other cities go hungry. What? That's insane. But Grimborg says, it's, it's my fault, sir. It was my doing. I knew you wouldn't have approved of it, so I did it secretly, <clears throat> on my own. St. Maxine goes, this, this is all such a shock to me. Naturally, I deplore Grimbo's overzealousness, but you can't hold me responsible. Sorry, St. Maxien, but a little convenient buck passing won't do the trick, says Cam. This finishes you as mayor. New elections will be held. Then I win anyway. The voice of the people will be heard, and the people of Paris support me. You're wrong, St. Maxien, says Inferno. You've got a few good ideas. Maybe putting the natives of Paris and Earth first does make sense, but you've pushed it too far. Those mobs were not the majority. The majority want no part of the violence that you let loose in their streets, and you better believe the voice of those people will be heard. And then and, he, con and he yes. continues and says, mm. now go away or I shall taunt you a second time. I shall taunt <laughs> you a second time. Your mother smelt of elderberries and your father was an amster. But back in Fortress Lad, Inferno is bringing um, Computo and Shrinking Violet up to date and what is happening with Domi. Inferno says, she was a dominator experiment. 
but she was cast out because she wouldn't use her power in the war against the humans. <clears throat> so what happens to her now? Asked Computo. Well, I know a group home that, that'll take her in. And who knows? I think someday she could be Legionnaire material. Okay, Dirk, thanks. And speaking of Legionnaire material, Kono, I'd like the way you handled this mission. Ha! No purse, says Kono. Those Sklarian wimps were nothing. Hey, forget the Sklarian, says Computo. I like the way you handled Tenzel. Oh, yeah, him. I gotta admit, he was a lot of fun. And Violet says, um, speaking of Tenzel, where is he? And we cut to a prison cell where the Sklarians have been imprisoned, along with Tenzel. The Sklarians are going, guards, guards, I'm telling you, she, no, he isn't one of us. And Tenzel says, and then there was a time I single-handedly defeated the, defeated the persuader. Oh, please. And back on Acapulco. Uh, Saturn Girl is joining Invisible Kid, Ultra Boy, and Andromeda. And Invisible Kid is briefing the other two. And we'll get moving as soon as Saturn Girl shows. I'm here, Invisible Kid. Sorry it took so long. What's the situation? And Lyle says, it's that vortex, Imra. It's some kind of mental energy field. Brainy, Apparition, Pharaoh, and Gossamer have been sucked into it. Their minds are being ripped open. Their anxieties are taking over. The vortex is an emanation from that boy, one of the bystanders struck by Livewire's lightning. And Garth arrives. Then it's my fight too. I want in on this one. Imra says, I don't think that would be appropriate. But Lyle says, Imra, I know this is difficult, but we may need him. And Garth says, good, then it's settled. Okay, says Lyle. We're going to enter the vortex and find a way to bring out the others. Imra, I want you to link minds so we can bond together, support each other mentally when it starts getting hairy in there. Right, says Imra. Okay, everybody, concentrate, feel each other's minds, support each other, put aside our differences. Good, good. I think we're ready. Let's go. And they go into the vortex and Ultra Boy goes, Grife! And Garth says, what the hell is that? And it looks like it's some big sort of space dragon, maybe, that's about to swallow them. And there are lots of tentacles grabbing everybody. Imra says, what's going on? And Ultra Boy goes, no, this, this can't be happening. Next, eaten alive. It's, it's obvious to me that that is the manifestation of the Ultra Dragon that yes. swallowed Joe and gave him his powers. <laughs> With lots of extra tentacles for those of you who are into that. <laughs> Some are. If only Darren were here, there were so many great lines that he could have followed up on. Um, exactly. Even eaten alive. Yes. Yeah, he would not have let that one go. Mm. <laughs> I noticed that in this issue, I've got the print issue, there's a tribute to Jack Kirby, who died quite recently from when this was published. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just a, a one page on uh, a black star field just talking about his contribution to comics uh, and his achievements. 
Uh, he was a very young 76 when he died. Anyone who cares about popular culture will miss Jack Kirby, the artist, and anyone who was a f- was was fortunate enough to know him personally will grieve for Jack Kirby, the man. Hmm. I remember nice. when that happened because you know the internet wasn't a big thing at that point, so you got your news. You know, comic shop news and such was always a yep. few weeks or a month behind. Yeah. But I remember that Saturday, the X-Men cartoon was on, and it had a dedication to him. and had oh, really? It was like, oh, rest in uh. peace, and said, what year? And I was like, what? Because that was the first wow. I heard of it. Yeah. But, uh, My goodness. Anyway. That's nice that they acknowledged him in the... Uh, <clears throat> I'd forgotten. I I I, re- I remember that now, but I'd forgotten about that um, since. Yeah, that would have been the really probably the only appropriate show at the time. The yeah. Spider-Man cartoon and Batman cartoon, but nothing to do with those. Yeah. Wasn't there an X-Men cartoon, or was that later? That's what he's saying. That's what I said. Oh, no, yeah, sorry. I thought I. Uh, never mind. I <laughs> It's fine. All right, so Michael, uh, what can you tell us about some polls? Yeah, well, yeah. Let's talk about the the next class. All righty. So, um, last week we had the class of 1962. Um, the runaway ren- winner was Ultra Boy. Yay! <laughs> had almost twice as many vo- votes as Matter Eater Lab. Uh, so 27 for Ultra Boy, 15 for Tenzel, one each for Marla Latham, Pete Ross, and the Sun Eater. And bringing up the rear with zero votes is Antenna Boy, Chameleon Chief, Dynamo Kid, Lex Luthor, Lester Spiffany, Storm Boy, Sun Emperor, Earthflow, and Zarya and the Conqueror. Uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be Lester Spiffany's time one day. I can't believe that Earthlow and his hate tapes got zero votes. <laughs> <laughs> but moving on to the class of 1963, uh, we have from Adventure 306, Chlorophyll Kid, Fire Lad, Night Girl, Polar Boy, and Stone Boy, first appearance of the subs. 307 was Element Lad and Roxas in their first appearance. 308 is Lightning Lass and Prody One uh, when uh, we thought that Lightning Lad may have come back to life. Mm. Uh, 309 was the Reject Rainbow Girl. 310 was the first appearance of the Legion Cruiser. Uh, Jimmy Olsen, 72, is Prody Two's first appearance. Uh, Adventure 314 is Ron Carr. 317 is Dream Girl. And finally, Superman 167, uh, Vril Dox, that's right, the future leader of the L-E-G-I-O-N. Indeed. Made his first appearance all the way back in 1963. I wonder if he was as much of a jackass then. I don't (laughs) think so. I think back then it was more like uh, Brainiac saying, well, my son, Vril Dox, and his, <laughs> exactly. And his, son, and his son led to Brainiac Five. Yeah. Now so, I wonder. I wonder if in the issue they called they referred to him as Vril Dox or if it yes. was. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah, he named Vril Dox. There we have it. 
Because there are sometimes you get this, you know, first appearance of because it's like, well, it was Brainiac's son, so it has to be him. Right. Okay, fair enough. Um, and then there was a real Docs 2 in there somewhere, too. But I don't know. the I, uh, Mark Wade knows the, the Brainiac lineage. I don't. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, so the... Uh, um, as you are listening to this, at least on Monday, the poll is open and vote early. And uh, you will see possibly your whoever you think is the winner of the class of 63. There you go. Stone nice. boy. Stone boy. <laughs> All uh, right. Um, hey, did uh, did Tom have anything to say about this issue? He did. Uh, let's see. He says, once again, the issue starts off on a great note with a gorgeous Adam Hughes cover. This one not related to the content of the issue, but rather a general group shot showcasing Andromeda and also featuring um, the three founders plus Brainy, Vi, Triad, Ultra Boy, and the shoulder of Computo. So I guess he missed the shadow as well. Uh, it's as good a depiction of the spirit and visual appear of the team appeal of the team as you're likely ever to see. Uh, I always felt Grimbor's ability to uniquely counter each leader's power with his chains was convenient and credibility stretching. But since it had been established and was accepted, I figured we could use it here as a way to put the Legionnaires in a real jam. Yeah. We all threw out a nub of an explanation for how Grimbor accomplishes the virtually magical capabilities of his chains they operate on the, quote, frequency of each Legionnaire's power, which not only allows him to negate those powers, but also to, quote, reach into each hero's nervous systems. That doesn't really mean anything, but it does seem like it could possibly be a kind of physical reality to superhuman powers that might be discovered and explored over the next 10 centuries. Um, let's see, he mentions that... Uh, um, they called uh, the girl Dami, uh, which I know Darren would also have something to say about. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Um, let's see. Uh, so towards the end, Inferno radios the Legionnaire's headquarters and reports that Dami, who turns out to have been an experiment of the Dominators, who were secretly running EarthGov during the Terra Mosaic storyline, can be taken in at a group home and may someday prove to be Legionnaire material, which was our intention in introducing her. Um, and uh, one thing that uh, that struck me while reading this issue with Grimbor and the Sklarians is that Charma, his deceased wife, um, had the exact same skin color as the Sklarians. Yes. And I did a quick check while you guys were talking, and I don't think uh, I couldn't find anything where somebody speculated. I wonder if Charma was also a Sklarian mutant, just like Kono was. Something to consider. Yeah, interesting. But don't yeah. worry about it because they're going away in a few months anyway. I don't think they ever flat out said it, but I mean, more than likely she was Sklarian. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, let's see. For me, this is another pretty successful issue. The Chris Gardner pencils are solid, 
for me, not as quite on the level of Sprouse or Hughes or the prior issues Frank Fosco, but the storytelling is strong and Chris really does a good job of keeping the characters distinct and, un and identifiable. With Tom across colors, as always, playing a big role in keeping everything clean and easy as possible to follow. I have to say, these are my kind of Legion stories. Again, lots of characters. 16 of the 21 members appear, plus Kono and Dami versus uh, St. Maxien, Grimbor, and the Sklarian pirates. I'd forgotten that we tied the Sklarians in with St. Maxien and was kind of impressed with how we imitated what I like to do in the earliest homemade Legion comics we did as kids, send teams of Legionnaires on disparate missions that turn out to be intertwined in some way. For me, the tone is right, some pretty heavy stuff, but definitely some lighter touches as well. There are some places where characterization is important, but not so much that it bogs <clears throat> down fast-moving story. And he doesn't say uh, in this issue, but next issue is going to be their last. So all of these uh, plot lines that have been running for the last six months uh, all get wrapped up just in time for zero hour. There we go. It's all coming soon. Coming soon yeah. to a zero hour near you. Yeah, that's it. And <laughs> and what you know what's going to happen when zero zero hour happens? It's going to like go all through time. It's going to go and mess up future stuff as we know. Oh, and it's dear. then going to go back and, uh, and and like change history as well. Hey, speaking of history, Michael, did anything happen this week in Legion history? Um, not a thing. All right, there we go. <laughs> all right. Oh, well, okay. well, there were a few. Uh, 60 years ago, 1962, Superman number 152, a new villain called the Robot Master appears to take control of Superman's robots, but it turns out to be a hoax by the Legion who are celebrating the anniversary of Supergirl's arrival on Earth. And see, the Legion can be dicks as well. I mean, how else would you celebrate the arrival of Supergirl on Earth? By pranking your friends. Taking over robots. <laughs> As one does. Uh, yes. Or or did, or will have been going to have done. Uh, 35 years ago, 1987, uh, Legion Volume 3, Number 34, The Universal Project Part 3. The Legionnaires escaped to Naltor to find some answers and support. They figured that the reason they were placed on the prison island is because they are the four smartest Legionnaires and realize the one they are fighting against is none other than Universo. Dun, dun, dun! And that was episode 378. 25 years ago, 1997, Impulse, number 24. Impulse's mother, who you'll recall is uh, Dawn Allen, one of the Tornado Twins, comes from the future to the <clears> present <throat> to claim her son. Where has she been? What forced her to abandon Bart as an infant? Why has she waited so long to come for him? And will Bart abandon his life in the 20th century to go home with mom? And if we get to this, if we do this issue, it will be late 2024. Uh, also the same day in 1997, Legionnaires number 47, which we will do eventually. Uh, one of the 20th century Legionnaires is in a coma and Brainy rises to the occasion coming up with a risky method of getting everyone back to the future. But due to unexpected treachery from within the team, uh, 
The rescue attempt fails, and all the Legionnaires are trapped in the time stream. And that's because they did not use the flux capacitor. Uh, that's it. Yeah. 15 years ago, 2007, Action Comics Annual Number 10. Uh, this is uh, Monel's updated origin for the post Infinite Crisis DCU. Uh, it's his old origin recapped and updated because apparently now it's okay to mention Krypton again. Uh, most of the original story remains. You have an older boy arrives on Earth via ship, and when he comes out, he says something about being the son of Jor-El in Kryptonian, so Clark naturally thinks that that means this is his older brother, giving him the name Mon-El because it's a Monday, and he must be from the House of El. Uh, things go a little differently. Uh, they go to see if kryptonite will harm him, but it turns out it's the lead box containing it that does. Uh, he suddenly remembers that he's Largand of Daxum, and they conclude that banishment to the Phantom Zone won't cure him, but it will stop progression of the disease. So uh, in this continuity, Superboy is not the dick for exposing him to the lead, um, but he still probably could have spent more time working on a cure. Uh, we Paul's daughters will probably get to this in early 2030 as this came out just before the Lightning Saga. Fair enough. Uh, that following weekend in 2007, uh, Legion animated show episode eight, season one, called Lightning Storm. Much to the Legion's disappointment, Lightning Lad accepts an invitation to join an older, cooler team called the Lightspeed Vanguard. Once there, however, Lightning Lad realizes these new heroes aren't exactly what they'd seen. Now caught between the Legion and his new friends, Lightning Lad must decide once and for all where his loyalties lie. And if you couldn't figure out who these, uh, who the team is, uh, the team's initials are LSV, which should give you a hint. Uh, Ten years ago, 2012, Legion Lost, Volume 2, Number 6. Uh, the time-lost band of Legionnaires has been operating in the shadows out of fear of corrupting the time stream. Now their secret is out. Timberwolf is captured and interrogated by a shadowy organization. Will he be able to maintain the team's cover or is their future doomed? And I would say it's more like the title and the new 52 is doomed, but. <laughs> uh, five years ago, you remember a show that almost lasted a full season called Powerless. Yes. Uh, this was February uh, uh, 9th, was uh, season one, episode two, called The Wayne Dream Team. Uh, Powerless was a workplace sitcom focusing on the staff of Wayne Security, a subsidiary of Wayne Enterprises that uses R&D to protect civilians from superpower damage, kind of like Marvel's uh, damage control. Yes, exactly. Uh, but, but this was the episode, or at the end of this episode, uh, Prince Evilo appears uh, in an anti-bullying PSA filmed <laughs> while he's in prison. Uh, three, 935 years from now in 2957, uh, it's happy birthday, Lydda Jath. Night Girl is going to have been born. And then 960 years from now in 2982, on February 10th, Chemical King sacrifices his life 
to stop Darragon, governor of Australia, and oh, yes. the dark circle from starting World War Seven. That was Superboy 227, and you can hear that in episode 302. And that is This Week in Legion History. Wonderful. So, um, so sorry, that was Wayne Dream Team, Dream Team right? Uh, correct. Yeah, so um, uh, Prince Evilo was played by David St. James. Um, who some may know from, uh, uh, says he is known for his uh, work on the West Wing, iCarly, and Shameless. And um, so there we go. There we go. Oh, and he was in the uh, the new uh, Perry Mason thing on uh, oh. on but, on HBO. But probably not playing Prince Evilo. But probably not, which I, I think is a waste, really. Um, they could have done Prince Evelo's trial for whatever it was he got in jail for. Right, exactly. Yeah. Whatever the heck it was. <laughs> Workplace right, harassment. Exactly, exactly. I um, have uh, some feedback. feedback? All right. So, um, all right. Uh, Alan Williams points out, and uh, I think this has been um, discussed a lot on the uh, on on the uh, Facebook page. Uh, but uh, pointing out that Sensor Girl had a letter on her costume too, which led to the whole debate of what we consider to be post crisis. And um, you know, Michael is operating under the crisis number one is out. It's we're, we're crisis. Um, and others are like, yeah, well, really not until issue 10. I mean, you know, it's still. But anyway. <clears throat> but, you know, I, I mean, I always looked at it as as, you know, didn't we define sort of when post crisis uh, Baxter happened? Well, if you're talking about after the. Um, uh the, the after crisis number 10, which is when the multiverse got compressed down into one earth. Yeah, uh, that is that is one school of thought. Um, it is a completely valid school of thought. Um, but after uh, Doomsday Clock, um, we see Earth 1985, which spun off right before crisis number one. And so there were no time shenanigans and Supergirl and Flash went on to have plenty of adventures in the 20th century and presumably grow old and die of natural causes. Presumably. So, presumably, yes. So do you consider that to be pre-crisis, meaning before the crisis had even started? Uh, there is no definitive answer. Wibbly, wobbly. Yes. Timey, wimey. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Anyway, Sensor Girl has a really cool belt buckle. Let's just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, Maurice Walker says, mm. hi, subs. Reaching out to offer feedback on episodes 692 and 693. Uh, regarding 692, I wanted to share my dream team for a potential legion of blank worlds. Insert number. Um some combination of Bendis, Johns, and Wade would be a safe pick. I could easily see all three co-writing the series. Jonathan Hickman would be my outside-the-box pick because he's a fan of the franchise. 
If time was not a factor, I would love to see Kevin Maguire's take on multiple legions. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I can dig that. Um, I would also love to see um, Stuart Eminen and Wade Gra- Von Grawbadger draw the Legion again. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, on to Justice League versus the Legion of Superheroes. I thought it was a solid start to the event. Just relieved both teams actually met in issue one. I could have done with fewer double page, page splashes. I feel they're overused. Um, appreciated the discussion about what it means if a car guy loses a body in current Legion continuity. I thought that was handled particularly well in this issue as well, uh, as I think we talked about on when we did when we did the issue. Um, um, <laughs> sorry, folks. Uh, Michael just sent me a picture of Prince Evil. <laughs> um, all right. Um, uh, regarding uh, episode 693, um, like the uh, notion of the older Legion using code names, wish this happened earlier in the run. This could have been a way to differentiate the teams after the SW6 batch were spun off into their own book. That said, most of these uh, code names should have been workship- workshopped a bit more. However, I don't have a problem with Susa using uh, Wave or Joe naming himself Emerald Dragon. Uh, here's hoping that James Gunn name checks Polestar in an upcoming episode of Peacemaker. <laughs> it would be a whole different kind of Polestar. Um, just saying. All right. Thanks. Thanks for that, Maurice. Um, all right. Uh, from some guy called Resurrections Podcast. Seems a strange name. Um Hey, guys, there is a good reason why I didn't pick Jim Starlin as artist last week. He's not drawing right now. He hurt his hand and isn't able to draw. I know this was a pick your dream team thing, but I still went by people who are currently working. However, I'm not sure what Steve Apollo is doing right now, so maybe he's available. (laughs) Al Savano, host of Resurrections, a Steve Apollo and many hands podcast. So that's uh, not actually entirely accurate. So he did hurt his hand, uh, which, uh, funny enough, well, not that funny, but uh, it was due to an overpressurized um, um, soda carbonator that failed. Wow. Pretty bad. Yeah, he messed his hand up pretty bad. But he is drawing again because he just put out a new new Dreadstar graphic novel in the last year. Oh, neat. Because I I own it and I know it. Very nice. Uh, so he is drawing again, which is which is cool. Although well, there you I'm go, sure Al. he's quite he's a lot more limited in what he's able to draw, but you know. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. All right, um, we got a couple from Mike Driscoll uh, talking about the Bendis episode. Hi, subs. Been it's been too long since I've sent a message. Apologies. You know I love every episode, but the interview apps are always top notch. The Bendis Info interview was so great, and it's awesome to hear his love for the Legion in his voice. Just two quick notes. Who will Travis be cast as on the new show? Um, He says, I know who I'd pick for him. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, In response to the stump from last week, doesn't Duodamsel wear a D on her belt in the cape and thigh-high suit? I don't think so. Um, Uh, And then he says the cat suit definitely has the dangling double D. Yes. It's an awkward phrase, let me say. 
Um, uh, but I'm not sure she ever wore that as an active legionnaire. Much love, subs. Uh, talk to you soon. Um, and uh, wait, wait. Okay, here we go. So what he had said was, um, oh, maybe he sent a, a comment on the... Um, I think he also did a comment on the um, on the site as well. So, OK, so that that makes sense. Um, all right. Uh, but uh, he he figures, um, you know, if, if Travis was going to uh, to voice anyone, it should be Tenzel, especially if we get a, uh, a courtroom episode. And, you know, I can just see that like it would be like a courtroom, like like, you know, where where they're wiping, uh, where they're wiping the sweat off their brow as uh, it's like something out of Inherit the Wind. And, and uh, I can see it. I can see it. Now he'd say, now, Mr. Polar Boy, when when are you going to pose for this picture that I want to get of you fighting Karate Kid? I say, uh. son, I say. <laughs> exactly. Listen to uh. me when I'm talking to you, boy. <laughs> keep throwing them, you keep missing them. Ah. <laughs> uh. All right. Well, anyway, so um, and and then on the other one, he says, um, Travis has big tensile energy. Um, I, I mean, it's the fried plantains, I think, that did it. Um, <laughs> um, if he isn't cast as Matter Eater Lad, when this show comes out, we're taken to the streets. I'm also <laughs> rioting if there is no Tenzel courtroom episode. So we're looking at a lot of outrage over here. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic all right so there we go that is uh that is the feedback and folks you too can have your feedback right on the big show um but first and i'll tell you how in just a moment do but i have any other you have something something australian in the feedback <gasps> oh from a my few weeks goodness ago? yes oh, i seem to remember yes that's right now Warn you, this may uh, play into some uh, some Australian uh, stereotypes. Oh, the best say. kind. Absolutely. All right. So this um, this is from uh, from our, our friend Howard Madnick. Um, he says, I've long been fascinated by Australia, but never visited. So like most Americans, all I know is from pop culture. So can you ask answer some questions for me? I shall try. All right. Is this a knife or is this a knife? <laughs> That's not a knife. This <laughs> is a knife. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Um, uh, if someone tells me it's as Australian as a shit sandwich or as Australian as a barbed wire canoe, are they saying it's very Australian or not Australian at all? Uh, yeah, they're saying it's very Australian. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's not easy living down here. What with the smiters and the snakes and the crocs and all. <laughs> oh, man. And for those who are, who don't know, that's a, a Coca-Cola kid reference. Um, um, now, of course, you know, uh, this 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 one's awkward. Um, you know, given that of course Australia was founded as a um, as as a uh, penal colony, 
Uh, he says, given that you most but must be criminals, I wonder what crimes you've committed. Also, can you hook me up with top grade Iocane powder? <laughs> That's a Princess Bride reference. Yes, it is. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry, Howard, but the, the top grade stuff doesn't leave Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if, if you really want some, I'll, I'll smuggle some out in the jumbuck for you. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, next, would you enlist in Darragon's army? Not judging. Uh, probably not. No. Yeah. No, no, he was a bit despotic. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Um, and finally, Australia mm. is upside down. Day yep. when it's night, summer when it's winter. Is Australia really bizarro USA? Which, given the state of the USA, isn't a bad thing at all. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Australia is not Bizarro USA. No, I can't. I can't do Bizarro. I, I can't. No, I can't do Bizarro at all. Sorry. Yeah. I was yeah, trying to yeah. answer in Bizarro speak, but it just wouldn't come out. Australia am yeah. not Australia Bizarro not, USA. Australia, no, Australia and Bizarro Canada. Well, there you go. There you go. It's almost oh, the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, he says thank you. Asking for a friend. Long live the Legion. All right. I've been I've been waiting to be able to do this one. <laughs> Perfect. All righty then. And I think, yeah, I think we are clear. So, folks, you too can have your um, obscure Australian references read on the show <laughs> uh, simply by sending them to Legion of Substitute Podcasters at gmail.com. Uh, we also have our Facebook page, so you can join in the conversation there. It's uh, found at facebook.legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com. Uh, we are on the Twitter. We are LOSP Podcast. And in addition to all those things, you can head over to our website, legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com, where you can leave a comment on this or any episode. And with that, we make our way back into the time bubble with all of our quotes from Crocodile Dundee at the ready. And we will see you all next week. Happy birthday, Darren and Murray. <laughs> <laughs>